0: Welcome to Breaking Bread. Welcome to Fellowship in the Word with Minister Daniel Abola. Here is where you receive insights about God's word that will stir you to action. Be blessed. You are welcome to Breaking Bread. Welcome to Breaking Bread. So I'm just going to say a few things about Breaking Bread. Breaking Bread is a teaching ministry that um, the Lord has committed into my hands. Um, it's, and it, it's tasked with the vision of spreading the knowledge of God. Spreading the knowledge of God. Um, scripture says that there is a time that will come where the knowledge of God will cover the earth as waters cover the seas, and so we're tasked. We've taken that upon ourselves to spread the knowledge of God, making God's idea and His way popular. Making God's idea and His way popular, influencing influencing culture through teaching and discipleship. Praise God! I hope you got that. I'll take that again. So we are tasked with spreading the knowledge of God, making God's idea and His way popular, influencing culture through teaching and discipleship. And so, once again, I welcome you to Breaking Bread, and we're about to have a good time in the Word. About to have such a good time in the Word. So we're talking, we're talking about Bible interpretation. So this was something that we started last week. So intentional beforehand, this was supposed to be a a full teaching, supposed to be a full teaching. So I planned for a teaching of about three and a half hours, but I decided to break it down. So we had the first part last week, and then this is the second part where we are about to have now and because some of us some people that missed the first class um and it, so, so the first class i couldn't have i couldn't record and so i'm going to be doing a recap i'm going to be doing a recap right now of what we discussed in the first class so i want you to stay tight i want you to please if you can put away distractions um I want you to know for a fact that God's word is God's word is not burdensome. God's word is not difficult. Do you understand? God's word can be, God's word can be understood. God's word is interesting. Praise God. It's interesting. You can you can pick up your Bible and have such a good time. I'm telling you for a fact. I'm about to have a good time. Alright. A quick prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for bringing us together under your counsel once again. We ask that as we go into your word, we ask that you guide us that there be utterance in the name of Jesus. As the word comes, we receive it with understanding our hearts are ready in the name of Jesus. And your word produces in us fire to go out and to work it. In the name of Jesus, we are not hearers alone, but we are doers, we are workers of the word. Hallelujah. And let the people of God say Amen. Amen. Alright. So, um, I want you guys to please encourage me. Do you understand? You can you can use the chat. Please use the chat. You can spam the chat. Do you understand? So it's a class. I'm not going to be preaching over you. We're going to be having, you know, it's, and, and participation is much encouraged, do you understand? And hopefully, if we have enough time, we'll be able to do one activity or two, do you understand? All right, so last week, um, so the theme generally is Bible interpretation, and then last week, I decided to talk about why, Christianity is a taught faith. Why Christianity is a taught faith? So first of all, for I said for some of us that are, are not used to, I'm um, not used to this. Probably you saw on the flyer. You saw Bible interpretation, and you're wondering. Probably, um, if you were like me. When you're so I was born into a Christian home and I just got used to the whole flow so I knew I know that we go to church I know there is God I know that we worship Jesus and all that but I wasn't really taught how to nobody really said okay um this is how to pray this is how to study I just got used to the flow so if you're probably someone like that um I want you to know that The Christian faith can be taught. It should be taught. It is something that we should intentionally learn. Do you understand? It's a discipline that we should put ourselves through intentionally. Praise God. And the truth is that it's not just the Christian faith, so to speak. It's the same with every other other, um, kind of faith or religion we have out there. And so... People that received these things, people of old that received these things, documented it, praise God, they documented it so that what they knew, what they learned, could be passed down. And not just passed down, it could be passed down in its original form. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so last week we looked at Judaism. We looked at Judaism. And okay, so Judaism was um the culture and tradition of the Jews before Christianity. It was what they practiced. It was what they practiced, and we see we went through um myriads of scriptures, some of which I will be I will just I'll just breeze through them. So I want you to take them down. Um, please. I hope you have with your your. Your Bible, your notes, and your pen, or a jotter, or a notepad, anyone. Alright, so um, I want you to take down Genesis chapter 18 from verse 19. Genesis 18, 19. I want you to take down Deuteronomy 4, 9. Deuteronomy 6, 7. Deuteronomy 11, 19. Psalm 78, From verse 3 to 8. And Exodus 13. From verse 8 to 9. I hope you got that. Alright, so we're just going to be opening a few. Let's look at the Deuteronomy verses. So go to Deuteronomy chapter 4. Deuteronomy chapter 4. From verse 9. So I'll read. It says only take heed to yourself and diligently keep yourself lest you forget the things your eyes have seen and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life and teach them to your children and to your grandchildren and so we see we see moses giving them an instruction here it says these things that you have seen so to speak these things that you have seen the Lord do, take take heed to these things. Praise God! It says, "Um, lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life." It says, "And teach them to your children and to your grandchildren." Praise God! Let's look at um, Deuteronomy chapter six from verse seven. Deuteronomy six seven. It says, you shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. It says, you shall teach them. So, for context, these things that he's talking about are the things that they had seen. So, Israel had just received the law. They had just received the law. They had just received the testimonies and the promise that god gave to their fathers the fathers being abraham, isaac and jacob and it just so happens that they had just been an exodus from egypt and so god did so many signs and wonders and god gave them commandments and said um if you keep my if you keep my commandments if you keep my precepts this is what i will do for you Praise God. And all these laws, all these instructions, all these experiences, all these ordinances, they are what accumulate to form the tradition called Judaism. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so Moses is addressing them. He's telling them, teach these things diligently to your children. He says, talk of it when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way. When you lie down, when you rise up, emphasize it. Do you get what I'm saying? Emphasize it. So, there is a need. There is a need for us to first document these experiences. And for us to pass them down. Do you understand? I said I said last week that um, the reason why this is important, the reason why it's important for us, to document these things down, for us to write down our experiences with God, is so that um, God's work with us does not end with us. Do you get what I'm saying? And I cited this example that God gave Abraham a promise, but that promise outlived Abraham. Do you understand? Because of our infirmity, man cannot live long. And so, the promise God gave to him outlived him. Abraham died and did not receive the promise. And <clears throat> the, the the truth is that if Abraham had not passed down what he knew to his son Isaac, that promise would have died the moment Abraham died. Do you hear what I'm saying? And so, the reason why that promise... Outlived Abraham, outlived generations, and was not, was not fulfilled in the person called Christ was because traditions, that promise, that testimony was passed down to generations, and those generations diligently kept it and passed it down to coming generations. Do you get what I'm saying? And so that was just us, you know, taking Judaism as an example of how that our faith can and should be taught. It's necessary. I want want to read to you a scripture that I didn't read the other time. In Jude, Jude verse 3. Jude has only one chapter. Jude verse 3. I hope you guys are still with me. Please let me know in the chat box. Jude verse 3. It says, Beloved, While I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith, which was once delivered to the saints. Did you see that? He's saying, I wanted to write to you about salvation, but I thought it more necessary to write to you to contend for the faith. The word the faith there does not mean faith as in beliefs. It means faith as in the creed and the doctrine of our beliefs. Do you understand? Our beliefs, so to speak. The creed, our creed and doctrine. Those set of rules, those set of beliefs that we that we hold on to, that we uphold in our religion. That's what the that's the faith that he's talking about here. So, he's saying, for, for, for you to earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered, that faith in the same form that was once delivered, he's saying, contend for it. Praise God. And um that was just us taking Judaism as an example. And... As it is, um, as we as it is seen in scripture, Christianity was um, Christ- Judaism flowed into Christianity. Do you understand? And so the same, um, the same manner in which traditions were kept is the same manner, or was the same manner in which traditions were kept in Christianity, in the Christian faith. In fact, the apostles guarded these things jealously. It was something that Paul fought all through his life. Praise God! He fought against, he fought against people trying to pervert the gospel. He fought against error. Do you understand what I'm saying? So it's very, it's very important. There was a time that, there was a time that um men began to say that salvation is about works. It's more about works. And the apostles in that time arose and they came against that, that false doctrine because salvation is by grace through faith alone. Praise God. So it's very important. Um, I said that everything that we know and practice now was founded upon what the prophets spoke and what the apostles discovered. I'll say that again. Everything that we know and practice now was founded upon what the prophets spoke and what the apostles discovered. Now, the the things that the prophets spoke are the prophecies That were made by the prophets in the Old Testament. The prophecies about the Christ. About the coming Christ. Praise God. And what the apostles discovered. Doctrinal persuasions were discovered by the apostles. Praise God. We see that in Acts chapter 2 from verse 42. Acts chapter 2 from verse 42. I'll just read it to us. It says, this was at the advent of the church. The church had just started. And this was after Peter had given um, that sermon. And scripture lets us know that about 5,000 people were added to the church. And here is what the verse after says. It says that, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. In the apostles' doctrine. Okay, someone says, I should repeat. All right. I said, everything that we know and practice now was founded upon what the prophets spoke and what the apostles discovered. Everything we know and practice now was founded upon what the prophets spoke and what the apostles discovered. And we see in Acts 2.42 that the church continued steadfastly they continued in it steadfastly in the apostles doctrine and in fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers praise god i want you to know that there is only one doctrine there is just one doctrine and it is the doctrine of the apostles what they taught the foundation they laid what they emphasized the same things that we should emphasize what they discovered we ourselves ought to discover it and teach it praise god praise god we see in ephesians chapter 2 from verse 20 it says and having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets jesus himself jesus christ himself being the chief cornerstone so the church is founded upon, is built upon the foundation that the apostles and prophets laid. Do you understand what I'm saying? Praise God, praise God. All right. Um, I think this is the last thing I'll say. I said Christianity is taught for our prophet. It's taught for our prophet. It's taught for our prophet. We see in um. 2 Timothy chapter 3 from verse 16. 2 Timothy chapter 3 from verse 16. It says, okay, let's read from, let's read from verse 15. 2 Timothy chapter 3 from verse 15. It says that this is Paul to Timothy now, to his son in the faith. It says, and that from childhood You have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. It says from childhood, from childhood. So he had been, he had been introduced to the scriptures from childhood. Praise God. This was how, this was how seriously these guys took it. This was how seriously they took it. He had been learning the scriptures since he was a child. Praise God. From childhood, you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Verse 16 says, All scripture, all of scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable. Someone say profitable. It is for your profit. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Praise God. So Christianity is taught for a profit that you may be complete so that you will be complete thoroughly equipped another translation says thoroughly furnished for every good work praise god praise god all right so that's about it for the recap i want us to um go into bible interpretation praise god please if you are with me let me know Hallelujah. awesome All right, so we're looking into Bible interpretation now, and let me say this, there is a difference between Bible reading, Bible study, and Bible interpretation, there is a difference between Bible reading, Bible study, and Bible interpretation, now, here is the difference. Bible reading just has to do with um, giving a recitation of the Bible giving it so um, there was a common practice um, by the Jews so um, during during the time of the feast they have Bible readings and it was usually very long so the high priest or one of the priests, will come and stand before all the people and read the entire Torah to them, to their, to their hearing. For those of us that don't know what the Torah is, the Torah is the first five books of Moses. That is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Praise God. So that, that that's basically what Bible reading is. Now, when it comes to Bible study and Bible interpretation, they are kind of similar but they are not the same. So the thing is that in Bible study, you have Bible interpretation. In Bible study, you have Bible interpretation. So when you do Bible study, you ought to interpret the scriptures. Praise God. When you do Bible study, you have to interpret the scripture. So in in Bible, Bible study is a much broader scope. In Bible study, you have Bible interpretation, so they are not the same. I just wanted to um, state that clearly so that you will know you know what we are about to deal with. Alright. Please let me know if you are with me and the shepherd the us. All right, awesome. So how do we interpret the Bible? How do we interpret the Bible? Now, if you've not been taking notes at this point, please start taking notes. Start taking notes. Praise God. Praise God. All right, you're about to be so blessed. How do we interpret the Bible? Now, the first thing you need to note is that the Bible is a historical material. Praise God. That's number one. The Bible is a historical material. And like every other um historical literary text, it needs there is um there is a way to interpret it. And okay, so on the flyer of um this um meet. I said um, we're going to be dealing with, um, I put introduction to hermeneutics. Now, hermeneutics is the study of interpretation of texts. Do you understand? So that's what we're about to learn, how to interpret historical texts, how to interpret um, literary materials. Praise God. So the Bible is a historical material it's not it wasn't given to us in our context although it was translated to to and for our context but it wasn't written in our context praise god some books some books are as old as 600 BC some even older than that praise god so you need to know that um the the means of communication then were a lot different. Praise God. The means of communication, the means of expression were a lot different. So there, are, there is a modus operandi, so to speak. There is a way to go about interpreting the Bible, interpreting historical materials. Praise God. That's the first thing I need you to note. The second thing is that the Bible is a Christocentric material. Praise God. Number two, the Bible is a Christocentric material, meaning that the Bible, the context of the Bible is about a person called the Christ. The context of the Bible is about a person called the Christ. In fact, I don't know if you probably asked this question before that. How how was the Bible? How did the Bible come to be? How were the books selected? I want you to know that there were a lot more historical religious materials. Praise God. There were a lot more historical religious materials. But there is a certain criteria that qualifies or that qualified the books that we have now to be part of the Bible. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, the books for a a material, for a piece of writing to be considered a part of the Bible, it needs to have its context as the Christ. Praise God. Now, what I'm saying is that, if you read every every book of the Bible, every letter, um, every piece of writing, its context is the Christ. Praise God. Do you understand what I'm saying? So every book, every material that was considered or that was added or that was brought together to make up the Bible were materials that had their context as the christ were materials that pointed to the christ praise god so it's not it wasn't just a random they didn't just bring books together no a lot of these materials were thoroughly screened they were thoroughly screened praise god all right so number two the bible is a christocentric material and so with all that said Revelation in Scripture, praise God, with those two things that I mentioned, that the Bible is a historical material and that it is also a Christocentric material, Revelation in Scripture must be an understanding of what the writer intended. So, you know you have correctly interpreted the Bible when you get exactly what the writer intended, praise God. When you get exactly what the writer intended, so there are important guidelines. There are important guidelines um, in Bible interpretation. They are not. They are not for you to make up. They are not. Um, they are not for you to freestyle. Praise God. Um, you probably might be. Someone who, you know, wanted to um, study the Bible. you wanted to do Bible study. And then you just opened it. You were just reading. You didn't know exactly what to do. Praise God. And doing that will leave you more confused. It will leave you very confused. Praise God. Okay. Number three. Okay, I said... Revelation in scripture must be an understanding of what the writer intended. Revelation in scripture must be an understanding of what the writer intended. So, there are important guidelines. There are important guidelines to biblical interpretation. They are not for you to pick up along the way, they are not for you to invent. Praise God. There is a way to do it. In fact, there is a whole study. There's a whole branch of study on this alone. Hermeneutics. Praise God. Praise God. Alright, so um, before we move on, I want to lay a quick foundation on what the Old Testament and what the New Testament is. Because it's very important when it comes to Bible interpretation. How many of us have how many of us are more comfortable with the New Testament? You can just raise your hand, use that raise, that raising hand um button. If you are more you find yourself to be more comfortable with the New Testament. You find um that um the old testament just feels feels strange, it feels um what's the word now it feels very very cohesive it feels like a lot is just happening praise god all right you can put your hands down so the old testament the old testament is called the mystery praise god the old testament is called the mystery I want us to um, open, open to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. Read from verse 10 to 11. Matthew chapter 13 from verse 10 to 11. All right. So, from verse 10. And the disciples came to him, his, Jesus' disciples, they came to him and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? And Jesus answered and said to them, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. Praise God. So the Old Testament was called the mystery because a lot of things in it were concealed. A lot of things in it were concealed. The Old Testament is referred to as a shadow. Praise God. The Old Testament is referred to as a shadow. A shadow of the good things that are to come. So, um, even the prophets of old... The prophets that wrote those things about Christ, that prophesied those things about Christ, they did not know what they were writing about. I think it's in praise God. I think I think it's in First Peter chapter 1. First 1 Peter chapter 1. Alright. First Peter chapter 1 from verse 10. It says, of this salvation the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that will come to you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. Praise God. It says, from verse 12, it says, To them it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us, they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things which angels desire to look into. Praise God. Now, in plain terms, what Peter was telling them here was that This salvation that you have received, this salvation that has come to you, the prophets prophesied about it. They spoke about it. They testified of these things by the same Spirit of Christ that was in them, testifying. Praise God. It says, this Spirit of Christ that you have received, it was by this same Spirit that they testified of things to come. Praise God. Although they did not know what they were seeing per se, they did not have an understanding. They didn't know what time it was going to happen. Praise God. But He says now it has been revealed to you. Praise God. So the Old Testament was was shrouded was shrouded in mystery. It's called the mystery. Praise God. But the New Testament is called the revelation of the mystery. Please, does anyone understand what I'm saying? Please let me know if, if I have lost you. All right. Let me read verse 12 again. It says, to them it was revealed that, although not to themselves, but to us, they were ministering the things which have now been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the holy spirit sent from heaven things which angels desire to look into praise god let's open to first corinthians chapter 2. first corinthians chapter 2. we'll read from verses 6. first corinthians chapter 2 we'll read from verses 6. It says, however, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. The hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. Praise God. So the Old Testament being a mystery, has now been revealed in the new in the face of Christ Jesus. Praise God. Remember I said earlier that um, our faith, the foundation of our faith, or we are built on the foundation of the things that the prophets spoke and the things that the apostles discovered. Praise God. And this was what... um, This was the main, would I say, occupation of the early apostles, their job was to establish doctrinal authority. Praise God. So to them, it was, to them was given understanding of the mysteries of the kingdom. Praise God. So they had, they had insight, they had revelation to understand so to speak, the Old Testament, praise God, God gave them understanding, God gave them insight into the Old Testament, praise God. So these things, um, the, I think in Matthew chapter 13, after Christ had um, spoken a parable to the people, he says that their eyes have been shut, that in seeing, they do not see in hearing they do not hear and their hearts do not understand praise god because so to speak it wasn't given to them to understand the mysteries to understand the shadow of good things that were to come praise god are we together i hope you're getting this but it was given to the apostles to the early apostles insight into the mysteries those Those shadows, this that shadow of good things to come, insight was given to them to understand it and to explain it to make it plain. Praise God! So, the Old Testament is called the mystery, and the New Testament is called the revelation of the mystery. Let's open to okay, we're still on First Corinthians chapter 2, from verse 7. It says, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. Praise God. Now, the, um, the Greek word for the word mystery is the word musterion, musterion, And it doesn't mean something that is hidden. It actually means something hidden to be, to be revealed later. Praise God. That's what it means. Something hidden to be revealed later. And so Paul is is here saying, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. The wisdom of God that was shrouded. The hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. So God concealed it to reveal it at another time. It was concealed to be revealed for us. Praise God. So the reason why it was concealed in the Old Testament was because God ordained it to be revealed in the New. Hallelujah. Praise God. Verse 8 says, Which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Verse 9, which is where where I'm going to. But as it is written, It was written that eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the hearts of men the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Remember the scripture I quoted initially, that in seeing they do not see, in hearing they do not hear, and their hearts do not understand. Praise God. So Paul is saying it here again, that they couldn't see, their their, their eyes couldn't see, their ears couldn't hear, and their hearts couldn't understand those things that God concealed, those things that God prepared for them that love him, for his beloved. Now, verse 10 says, but God has revealed them to us through his spirit. Hallelujah. For the spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. Praise God. Do we get this now? Are we get? please let me know in. Use the chat box. Let me know if you are getting this. Hallelujah. So that which was hitherto concealed in the old has now been made plain by the apostles in the new. Praise God. So the apostles were were charged to establish doctrinal integrity and doctrinal persuasions. Praise God. Grace... So to speak, was given to them to explain what was concealed in the old. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Um, Ephesians, let's go to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter. Th- I hope you are opening your, your Bible. Alright. Ephesians chapter 3. Okay, so this is Paul speaking. Uh Okay, Ephesians chapter 3 from verse 1. So here Paul was speaking to the Ephesians, and he was declaring to them the instructions or praise God. He was speaking to them per se about the um instructions God had given to him regarding his call. Hallelujah. Listen, it says for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus. For you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of grace of God, which was given to me for you. Hallelujah. Are you seeing this now? So this is an apostle of Christ Jesus. I don't know, probably you've wondered why um, the apostles, especially Paul, was very audacious, praise God, because it was given to them the grace was given to them to establish doctrinal authority and persuasions praise god so he's saying here now i Paul, um an apostle a prisoner of god a prisoner of christ jesus for you gentiles if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of god which was given to me for you how that by by what i hope you are following how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already. So he, he had already explained some things in chapter 1 and chapter 2. Please read the book of Ephesians. It's a very sound book. How that by revelation, he made known to me the mystery. So what is the mystery? What do we know has the mystery right now? Type it in the chat box. What is the mystery? I'm waiting for you what is the mystery is now we you know if you guys are really with me all right the Old Testament the Old Testament so how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery by which when you read you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of are you seeing this now? He's saying that so that when you read it, you will understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. You understand what has been revealed to me, praise God, which in other ages was not made known to to the sons of men. It has now been revealed by the spirit to his holy apostles, Andrew and prophets, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body. And partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. So this was what Paul received. This was Paul's revelation into in, Paul's revelation in the mystery that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs. This was what God revealed to Paul that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs. So. For those of us that are familiar with um, Bible texts, especially the Old Testament, we see and understand that um, the gospel first came, salvation is first to the Jews, praise God, by promise, by promise, by divine ordination. Salvation is first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. But the Jews were, they were kind of selfish, praise God. They wanted to keep it, they wanted to trap God's experience for themselves alone and the first person that God revealed this to was to Peter and so God caused Peter to fall into a trance and showed him a dream he said and God placed um, what the Jews called unclean animals before him and said Peter rise kill and eat and because it, it was not customary in the Jewish tradition Peter said no He rebuked god that i can't do this praise god but what he didn't realize at first but he realized later what he didn't realize at first was that god it was a move of god to introduce or to bring the gospel to the gentiles and god had already started that move with cornelius praise god cornelius was not a jew but Scripture lets us know he was a devout man. He was praying to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so, later on, this ministry was given to Paul. Praise God. And God God called Paul, God arrested Paul and told him, you are going to take the gospel to the Gentiles for my sake, for my name's sake. Hallelujah. Are we together? Do you understand? Do you understand? So, what does this tell you? What does all of my explanation tell you it is that the word of god is no longer a mystery praise there's no there is no more mystery praise god there's no there's no more the mystery of the mission there's no there's no more mystery praise god everything has now been revealed everything you need everything you need to know praise god has now been revealed by the apostles hallelujah so the bible can be understood praise god the bible can be understood the bible is not uh, um, i don't want you to i don't want you to see the bible as something difficult as something that is only a few people can can attain mastery in you can you can attain mastery in it in bible interpretation you can learn to interpret the Bible. Hallelujah! Mm-hmm. Every every barrier or every form of barrier to biblical interpretation is man-made. Everything has been made plain. Hallelujah! Mm-hmm. Let me let me search for a scripture. Um, please give me a minute. All right, let's open to Second Corinthians chapter 3 from verse 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Second Corinthians 3. Please, if you are still with me, let me know. And if you are being blessed, let me know. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Second Corinthians chapter 3. Wait. Monday is also so stupid. Please give me a minute. Mm-hmm. How did I just oh my god. Oh my god. I apologize, please. Mandy shoppete co Mm-hmm. Okay, Second Corinthians, yeah, Second Corinthians 3 from verse 12. All right. It says, so Paul here is talking about the law. It says from verse 12, Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. Great plainness of speech. Hallelujah. Great plainness of speech, um, Galatians. I'm sorry, all these scriptures are not in my notes. I'm just, just because I want, I want to emphasize something. Panicon celebriones, eleviones umbricafates, inamandis o Galatians chapter one. Where is that scripture? Penando revah uh, desas. Mande kapalakay. Eh? Oh my God! I can't find it. Alright, let's move on. Let's move on. Are we are we still together? If I find if I find the scripture, I will come back to it. I will come back to it. It was it's a place in Galatians where Paul was talking about the simplicity of the gospel. The simplicity of the gospel. Praise God. Alright. So I was talking about. Um okay, I said. That every barrier that we have to biblical interpretation is man-made. Praise God. Is man-made. Everything has been made plain. There is no more mystery. Hallelujah. There is no more mystery. Praise God. All right, let's look at common barriers to biblical interpretation. Common barriers to biblical interpretation. Praise God common barriers to biblical interpretation so these are barriers that one might face when trying to interpret the bible praise god are we still together are we still together hallelujah the first one is please take notes the first one is language language the first barrier his language. Now, like I said earlier on, that the Bible is a historical material. So, um the language in which it was written is not English. Praise God, it's not English. It was translated to English. So, the Old Testament was re- originally written in Hebrew, and the New Testament was written in greek and some parts were written in aramaic praise god the old testament was originally written in hebrew the new testament was written in greek in fact the original word is Koine greek but just use greek it was written in greek and parts of it were written in aramaic praise god Praise God. So it was trans. It was translated to English. It was not the the expressions. Um, the the use the use of language was not or it was not originally in in English. Praise God. And the thing about those um early languages is that they were much richer in expression they were much richer in expression than the english language the english language people people see even though it's it's a very popular language i think the most popular in the world right now it's the, the, the english language is is kind of like a false language praise god praise god so a lot of other languages like hebrew and greek they were much more richer in expression. For example, in Scripture, they just um, the Greek alone, there are about four words for power. Four words. And so in the English language, you just have power. That's just, that's all, power. But in the Greek, there were about four words. And so you could open your Bible and see a particular word that was rendition for power, and you might think that they all mean the same thing. No, they don't all mean the same thing. Praise God. Um, I would like us to look at some examples, but I don't want to go ahead of myself. But just know that. Just know that. So language can be a barrier. Language can be a barrier. Praise God. There are some expressions, there are some expressions in Hebrew and in Greek that the English language might not be able to render specifically. Praise God. Those languages had symbols as part of their lingua. They had symbols. Not a word, though. A symbol. Praise God. So, language um, could be so when when um, when the scriptures was it interp- was translated. Sorry, when the scriptures was translated, it was translated to old English. Old English, the old KJV, not this particular KJV, the old one, that one, um, that one used to have. Um the word Zion, they used to spell it with T T Z I O N. I don't know if you've come across any Bible like that where the word Zion was spelled with T T Z I O N those ones used to have AMI on top. So it was originally translated into that praise God into old English. Before we now have um the more revised versions of KJV. Praise God. So language could be a barrier. And what can help you overcome this barrier is by studying newer translations. By studying newer translations. Um by the privilege of the grace of God. I say for the grace of God, we now have many translations of the Bible. Praise God. So what can help you is to place them side by side when doing your Bible study. Place them side by side so that that will just give you um, a more rounded and a wider view of what you are studying. Praise God. Are we together? Are you still following? Um, let's let's take an example. Let's take an example. and took All right. All right. Um let's take an example. Let's look at the popular scripture John 3:16. John 3:16. John 3:16. All right. We I, I know everyone should know this scripture by heart. Now so the way, when I was young, the way the scripture was interpreted was that, for God so loved the world, God so loved, God was so much in love with the world. He loved the world so much. Praise God. Praise God. But it will do you well to know that um, the soul in that place there wasn't an emphasis so the love that he had for the world praise god it wasn't it wasn't necessarily talking about the magnitude of his love for the world the word so there is just used to it was used to point to the, to um if I so better put what it's trying to say is that this was the way God loved the world there's a difference between God so loved the world, and God so loved the world. Praise God. Do you get it? I hope I've not confused someone. It's just pointing to the fact that this was the manner in which God loved the world. God loved the world by giving his son for the world. Praise God. Praise God. Are we together? God loved the world in this manner. It's not it wasn't talking about um the magnitude of his love. Praise God. He's saying God loved the world in this manner. God God so God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Hallelujah. Do you get that? So you see how language can be a barrier. Praise God. The way we interpret So, in our own um, time, it's different from the way they use so. Hallelujah. Let me see. Let me see another example. Hmm. All right. Let's open to Romans. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Hmm. All right, from verse 12. From verse 12. Are we together? It says, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. Praise God now it kind of sounds like a um a contradiction when you read it it says we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh praise god but what it's trying to say in essence is that we are not debtors to live after the flesh we are not debtors to the flesh hallelujah but the way in which the language was structured just made it seem like it was a contradiction. Hallelujah. That's just an example. Praise God. Alright, the second the second barrier is figures of speech. So the first barrier was language, the second is figures of speech. Now just like in just like in um in communication just like in communication, we have just norm our day our day-to-day communication. We use figures of speech. Praise God. We use figures of speech. In the same way, the Bible has figures of speech. Alright. Okay, Mark, what, what would what do you want me to repeat? Just put it in the comment box. Romans Romans, okay, Romans 8 verse 12, that was the verse, Romans 8 verse 12, it says, therefore brethren, we are debtors not to live, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh, praise God, so it sounded like a contradiction, but what it was saying in essence is that we are not debtors to live after the flesh, praise God, all right, so we are on figures of speech, so just as we have, just as we use figures of speech in our communication daily, Either we are aware of it or not. It's the same way we have figures of speech in the Bible. In fact, the last time I checked, there were over 100 figures of speech that are used in the Bible. Over 100 figures of speech. But I'm just going to give us four. Praise God. The rest, you can you can find them out yourself you can do your own research praise god but these ones that i'm about to give you are ones that are used um consistently all right the first is simile simile so the bible uses simile what's what's a simile a figure of speech used to compare things a figure of speech used to compare things so it uses the words as and like This is the word as and like. Praise God. You see that in Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10 from verse 16. Matthew 10, 16. It says, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. As sheep. It doesn't mean that um, because I send you out as sheep, I want you to... I want you to start acting like a sheep it's just using comparison i'm sending you out like sheep so there are certain characteristics of sheep that is comparing you to praise god another example is in ephesians chapter 5 from so verse 22 um, it says wives submit to your own husbands as to the lord as to the Lord. Praise God. So, the same way you submit to the Lord, submit to your husband. That's what it's saying. Using comparison, as and like. The second one, metaphor. I think I'll just run through this. The second one, metaphor. A figure of speech that uses actual comparison. So, metaphor uses actual comparison. So, for example, um, similarly we say he is like a sheep Metaphor, we say, he is a sheep. Praise God, you get it. Metaphor, we say, he is a sheep. Let's look at um, scriptures. Let's look at, I hope you are taking notes. John chapter 10 from verse 9. John 10, 9. Now, this is Christ speaking. He says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. I am the door. Now, he's not actually saying that he is a literal door. Praise God! But it's just a metaphor. It's just a metaphor. The way a door is, I am like that. Praise God! Another example: John fifteen verse five. John fifteen verse. We should know this. Um, I am the vine. I am the vine; ye are the branches. Praise God. It doesn't mean it's not. It's not literary. Praise God. It's not literary. We're still going to talk about um, um, literary interpretations. Um, do I need to give another example? No, that's no need. All right. Let's move to the third one. The third one is hypocatastasis hypocatastasis um if you can't spell that i will type that in the chat box hypocatastasis so hypocatastasis so for example, simile, we say simile uses um, like, so simile we say he is like a sheep. Metaphor we say he is a sheep. But hypocatastasis we say sheep. Hypocatastasis we just say sheep. It uses direct comparison. Direct, I hope, I hope you're, you're still with me. This is direct comparison an example is in hebrews i said hebrews sorry revelation 5 5. It, it compares um it compares um jesus to a lion okay it doesn't compare but calls him lion lion of the tribe of judah praise god praise god um, the last one, hyperbole, hyperbole. These are just, these are literally just um figures of speech that we use in the English language. Hyperbole, what's an hyperbole? An, a hyperbole is just an exaggeration, an exaggeration. An example of this is in Second Summer. Second Samuel chapter 1 from verse 23. It says, Saul and Jonathan were beloved and pleasant in their lives. And in their death, they were not divided. They were swifter than egos. They were stronger than lions. Praise God. So I hope you know here that it doesn't mean literally that they are. Praise God. This is this is actually very important to keep you out of error. Praise God. To keep you from um, exaggerating what ought not to be exaggerated. Praise God. That's why we're talking about figures of speech. So that you know, um, you'll be able to identify what kind of statement this is. Praise God. Now, the third one is cultural context, cultural context, and this is probably one of the most important, because context remains the most reliable way to understand what is being said, context remains the most reliable way to understand what is being said, praise God, so I think I said this last week, that When the scripture was written, it wasn't written to us. Praise God. It was written in a particular context. It was written to particular people. Praise God. It wasn't written to us. We exist in a different time, in a different culture. It wasn't written to us, but it was written for us. Praise God. So there is a context in which that thing that the writer said there is a context in which it was said. Hallelujah. We live now in different contexts. For example, for example, in some cultures it is customary to shake hands when you meet someone. But in some cultures they don't shake hands, they bow. In some cultures they can they, they can be so um they Can be so formal, and they you know, once you meet them, they just hug you and they start giving you pecs here and there. Praise God. So cultures differ when you understand the um the cultural context, it's easy to get um what the writer is saying, so to speak. Praise God. You notice that the parable of the parables of Jesus were mostly around farming so he'll talk about a farmer going out to sow seed we'll talk about a good shepherd you know tending to his flock one of them got missing one of them got stolen and the lines like that it was because that was what the people in that time could relate to if jesus was in our time he would definitely use definitely use something different praise god are we together yes um open to let's read the scripture Luke chapter 7 Luke chapter 7 from verse 36 to 39 just talking about context Luke 7:36 it says then one of the pharisees asked him to eat with him And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil, and stood at his feet behind him weeping, and she began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with fragrant oil. Praise God. As as weird and awkward as this may sound, it was actually, it was actually something they they, they used to practice in that time. They wash one another's feet. Do you understand? So it wasn't it wasn't something the reason why. The reason why some some Pharisees because if you read down, the reason why some Pharisees started um judging started judging was because of who she was, not necessarily because of what she was doing, because she was a sinner. So they be according to the Jewish customs, if someone who is known as a sinner comes into contact with you, if they touch you, you are defiled. Praise God you see that when jesus addresses the issue he says that it's not what it's not what um comes into a man that defiles him but what comes out of him do you understand what i'm saying so that was the culture they had there in fact this particular pharisee jesus was even accusing him that you invited me to your house you did not peck me you did not wash my feet but this woman came and washed my feet, and you are now having an issue with it. Praise God! Do you understand what I'm saying now? All right, all right. So let's look at laws of Bible interpretation. Okay, a question. All right, you cannot mute. Hello, Bentley. You can unmute and ask your question. Okay, alright. Um, so, um, we're well, taught in church that Christians are supposed to exaggerate whenever we're saying something, and here this Bible, second Samuel, here is exaggeration. So, I I don't know like how to reconcile. Sorry, I I didn't get I didn't get your question. Can you come again? Okay, like um, you pointed out a passage in the Bible, Second Samuel, Second Samuel, where um, like there was a statement that was exaggerated. Yeah. So then we were taught in church, we were taught in church that um, exaggeration is a sin, and then here it is in the Bible. So I don't know how to reconcile. Okay. Okay. So. Exaggeration in this context is just in use of communication. Do you understand? It's not to be taken literally. Do you get what I'm saying? It's not to be taken literally. It's just for, it's just for um communication. Let okay. Let me let me open to that passage again. Hmm. Mm. 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 Okay, Saul and Jonathan were beloved and pleasant in their lives, and in their death they were not divided, they were swifter than eagles, they were stronger than lions. So the writer here just used that phrase or yeah, phrase to paint the fact that they were swift. He was just trying to emphasize how swift they were, and how strong they were. Not that they were literally sh- swifter than eagles or stronger than lions. Do you understand what I'm saying? But when it comes to um, when it comes to doctrine, do you understand? When it comes to doctrinal stances and persuasions, do you understand? It's important that. You do not emphasize um you do not emphasize one thing beyond the level it's to be um emphasized. Praise God, it's not to be exaggerated beyond I don't know the context in which your church says it's a sin, but this is just um from my understanding of it. Do you get what I'm saying? The way exagger- is, exaggeration is a figure of speech in English language, in any form of language or communication. It's a figure of speech. Do you understand? And the reason why it's, it's being pointed out here is so that you can know that this is an exaggeration. It's not something that should be taken literally. Praise God. Do you get what I'm saying? Have I answered your question? Yes, you have. Uh, and I'm so sorry, I have another question. Okay. Um, okay, can you can you hold the question till I want to quickly I want to be done with what I Okay, I'm doing. sure. All right. Thank you. All right. All right, guys, I hope you are still with me. Laws of Bible interpretation. Laws of Bible interpretation. The first law is literal interpretation. Literal interpretation. This is the method in Bible interpretation which the only meaning one inscribes to a text is that which the author intended. I'll say it again. This is the method in Bible interpretation, which the only meaning that one inscribes to a text is that which the author intended. I hope you got that. Now, you get this by reconstructing the historical context and using ordinary rules of grammar. You get this by reconstructing the historical context and using ordinary rules of grammar praise god so if the writer says take your load and come it simply means take your load and come there is no hidden meaning there is no um hidden rhema or whatever it just simply means take your load and come the opposite of literal interpretation is allegorical interpretation and allegorical interpretation is a form of interpretation interpretation where one um infers that there is a hidden meaning behind a text do you understand what i'm saying when one infers that, okay, there is a hidden meaning behind a particular text. Praise God. And there are laws for allegorical interpretation. Praise God. But well, I don't think we're going to go into that today. Literal interpretation. I said this is the method in Bible interpretation, which the only meaning one inscribes to a text is that which the author intended. You get this by reconstructing the historical context and using ordinary rules of grammar. (coughs) It also states that when the plain, obvious sense of scripture makes common sense, we are to seek no other sense. Did you get that? When the plain obvious sense of scripture makes common sense, we are to seek no other sense. When the plain obvious sense of scripture makes common sense, we are to seek no other sense. In other words, a text cannot mean today what it never meant. Praise God. If I say, take your load and come. If I wrote it in a letter to you, take your load and come. It cannot mean five years later or another thing apart from take your load and come. Praise God. Praise God. These are laws of Bible interpretation. These are um, the must-haves when it comes to Bible interpretation. There are things that you must obey. Praise God. When When something is literal, you take it as literal. Hallelujah. The second law is the principle of corroboration. The principle, I I really hope, I need you to take notes. Please take notes. The principle of corroboration. And it simply means letting scripture interpret scripture. Letting scripture interpret scripture. A correct interpretation will always be consistent with the rest of scripture. Praise God, a correct interpretation the way you can know that your interpretation of scripture is correct is that it will be consistent. It won't contradict the rest of scripture. Um 2 Corinthians chapter 13 you See that in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 from verse 1, it says, this will, so Paul was writing to the Corinthian church, it says, this will be the third time I am coming to you. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. So, you cannot establish doctrinal authority or a doctrinal standing on anything except it bears witness with another's verse of scripture it must not contradict another verse of scripture praise god praise god don't don't arrive at a conviction that has not been sufficiently corroborated don't arrive at a conviction don't draw convictions from ideas that have not been sufficiently corroborated to corro- to corroborate means to support with evidence, to make something agree, to make things agree with one another. Praise God. Um, we see in Habakkuk because I I, I, I don't think we have enough time to be going through scriptures again. Um, take these verses down: Habakkuk two four, Romans one seventeen, Galatians three eleven. Hebrews 10.38, Habakkuk two four, Romans 1.17, Galatians 3.11, Hebrews 10.38, and they all say that the just shall live by faith. Praise God. That's what all the scriptures say, all those verses say. The just shall live by faith. And now that is an example of of um, a conviction that has been sufficiently corroborated. When when two or more scriptures agree with a particular standing, then it is sufficiently corroborated. Then you can base your conviction on that. Praise God, did you get that? <coughs> I hope I have not lost anybody. All right. Um, The third one. The context principle, the context principle. I said the first one was literal interpretation. The second one is the principle of corroboration. The third one is the context principle. And it simply means that the meaning of a word or phrase or a sentence or paragraph must be derived from the context the meaning of a word a phrase a sentence or a paragraph must be derived from the context praise god so even when studying words so to speak when you are trying to make meaning of a sentence you are supposed to make meaning of it in light of the context context is the most important is context is the most important what is the idea behind this this chap this um letter that was written to these people what message is the writer trying to pass across it is when you understand that then you can now understand um each word each phrase each sentence praise god i said i said if there was time we are going to do activities but i don't know if we'll be able to do that let's just look at an example so paul was writing to the galatian church he was he was making an attempt to confirm their faith, to re-establish what he had taught them before because his his issue with them was that other people came and tried to um, and tried to um, confuse them or shake their faith regarding what they had been originally taught about the gospel. Do you get what I'm saying? <clears throat> so that's basically what Paul's letter to the Galician church was about. They he had heard about how. Other people came and were preaching wrong things, were preaching contrary things to what he had taught them before. And so he wrote to them again regarding that. That's the context, praise God. That's the context of Paul's letter to the Galatians. So every verse, every word, every phrase that I study must be studied in the light of that context. Praise God. Are you getting this? I hope you guys I really hope you guys are still with me. Alright. Um, Alright, let's look at another principle. Please let me know if you in, in the comments in the chat box if you are still with me. Alright. Alright. The fourth law is the principle of first mention the principle of first mention and it states that the first mention of any fundamental word usually presents the general conception of the subject and its use through scripture the first mention of any fundamental word it usually presents the general conception of that of the subject and its use through scripture. Praise God. So when you come across a particular um a, a particular word in scripture, a fundamental word, so to speak, a pivotal word, so to speak. For example, now like salvation, it says that the first you you go to the first place in scripture that it was mentioned praise god because that usually presents the general conception and use of that word do you understand the first mention usually presents the um the full scope and use of that particular word um let's look at an example um Genesis 2:24 talking about marriage here when God first spoke about marriage Genesis 2:24 so it was Moses that wrote this it says therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh praise God so this is where this is the first a mention of this particular subject matter praise god and if you want to understand this subject matter it is first it, it, it um it is best that you come to the point where it was first mentioned because the place it was first mentioned usually gives um the true or the real scope of that subject matter i hope you get what i'm saying praise god praise god um i'm trying to i'm being conscious of time now that's why um i can't really go because i still have some things i want to talk about here all right but do you get that do you get the principle of first mention or do i need to come again do i need to explain better If you get it, let me know. All right. All right. So, um, the last law that I'm going to be giving is studying the exact grammar and meaning of words. Studying the exact grammar and meaning of words. Praise God. Like I said earlier on, that. um these the the languages in which the scriptures were written were were much more richer in expression do you understand the verse that we read earlier on jude verse 3 where he says um it is necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly to contend earnestly for the faith the, word, the words the words content earnestly is one word in the Greek. The word is epagonizomai. Okay, I said studying the exact grammar and meaning of words. Studying the exact grammar and meaning of words. So the words content earnestly. Two words content earnestly. In the Greek, it is just one word. Do you understand? It's just one word, epagonizomai, and it means to contend earnestly. Do you understand? So it will help you to understand what is being said, to study the exact grammar and meaning of what. And you do this by using um, a Bible lexicon. A Bible lexicon. We're going to get that. That's the last thing we're going to talk about. Um... Another example. Let's open to Second Timothy two 2 Timothy two fifteen. Oh, sorry. Apologies. Um, First Timothy two fifteen. See, First Timothy two fifteen. Oh my God. Sorry, I must have mixed I I must have mixed it up. Uh-uh. I know the scripture now. Okay. So. Okay, second Timothy two fifteen. It must be the version, the Bible version I'm using. I'm not familiar with this thing. Alright, second Timothy two fifteen. It says, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker that does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. The KJV says, study to show yourself approved. But the real word there actually means to be diligent. Do you understand? Praise God. Are we together? All right. So, let's look at the final thing for the day. We've already spent quite some time. Let's look at the final thing for the day. Tools for Bible study. Tools for Bible study. Number one, we've talked about this before. Other translations of the Bible. Other translations of the Bible. This one is actually compulsory. Is actually compulsory It's necessary because you have the means praise god if you have the means why not use it why not use it it helps to it helps to avoid generalization and preconceived notions praise god it's it's um it takes away the the notion of this is what i think do you understand? Like I said, we can still apply the principle of corroboration to this. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, a truth is established. So when you take two or three translations and um, it's easier to get what exactly is being said, do you understand what I'm saying? Because it is some people have had issues with some translations some people have issues with kjv and so it's advisable not necessarily not necessarily to do away with kjv but to add or to use other translations of the bible do you understand kjv is important kjv is very important but use instead of just sticking to one use other translations i use other translations of the bible praise god praise god um number two lexicon and concordance praise god lexicon and concordance um so what's a what's a bible lexicon it's it's um it contains all the words all the words that were that are used in scripture in the original languages so it translates you can know the exact meaning of a word and how it is used by checking the lexicon do you understand so a, a so some people some people usually ask that what's the difference between lexicon and concordance A con, so for example um we have a dictionary now let's use for example a dictionary inside the dictionary we have the english lexicon that is the words the words in the dictionary that's the lexicon it's the same way with concordance you have the concordance and then you have the lexicon in the concordance do you get it so lexicon and concordance is very important it's very it is then it is very important you need to have a bible lexicon because if you are studying if you are studying a material that wasn't originally written in your language you can't really understand it without consulting um the materials or the languages the words in in the languages in which it was written do you understand what i'm saying All right, the last thing every believer should have Bible commentaries. Every believer should have Bible commentaries. So, what are commentaries? Commentaries are like summaries of chapters of the Bible. So, for example, I don't know, I don't know about you, I don't know about you, but some concordance some bible concordance have commentaries some bible concordance come with commentaries you understand so you can just check the commentaries alongside so for example let me let me pull up my own my own concordance so if you need recommend for those that don't have for those that don't have um get you can go to google play that is on for those using android or for those using um app store you can get strong's strong's bible that's the name strong's bible let me type it strong's bible it comes it's like a full package it comes with um the lexicon and even the bible itself all right com- well commentaries so um commentaries just give you a guide so you you are reading what it is what it is is that you are reading um summaries of people who have read that um particular chapter or book do you understand so they are they serve as a as a guide but mind you they are not always correct do you understand they are not always correct so you are not supposed to depend on on bible commentaries do you understand but if you want to have i use them when i want to have a Mm. much broader scope of something i'm studying so i just want to get I want to see people's perspectives. Do you understand? But it's very important that you judge even as you are reading people's perspective because sometimes some of them are wrong. Do you understand what I'm saying? But it's important. All right. Uh, that that's all, but I just want to add one more. The final one is follow a good Bible teacher. Follow a good Bible teacher. Follow a good Bible teacher. This is this is very important. It will change your life. It will change your life. Follow a good Bible teacher. Praise God. Have someone. Have someone that you are following. Have someone. Um, have someone you are feeding from. I think we talked about this last week. Paul Paul wrote to Timothy and he says. He told him, he was telling Timothy, "Timothy, you have known my way and manner of life. You have known my persecutions. You have known my faith. Do you understand? What is going on? All right. So he was telling Timothy, you have known my faith. You have known my hope. You've known the battles I have fought. Praise God. Timothy was an example of a, a very good follower of Paul. Praise God. Praise God. So have someone, have someone you are, have someone you are following in doctrine, in labor, in the word. Praise God. Have someone you are following It's very important. Many of the things that, many of the things that we know or that we have okay let me use my let me just use myself as an example many of the things that i know today were not things that i found out by myself were the things that i was taught praise god and it is important that you ha- see so that you won't end up being confused do you understand I will advise you to follow just one person. Have have someone you are following, but let it just be that person. Do you understand? Because in as much as we are in the body, we are all in the body, we are all preaching Christ, some people emphasize some things than others. Sometimes some people might contradict one another. So, it's just advisable to follow one person. Stick with one person. Do you understand? It's it's okay to honor other people, but have somebody that you are following. Do you understand what I'm saying? Are we together? Praise God. We are no more responding. Oh my God. All right. All right so um, that's that's all that we will look